And who better than to discuss this than the host of NFL Live, Laura Rutledge now joins us. Laura, thank you for doing this. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Um, I, look, I, I think it's, when this whole thing starts, which is like right after the NFL season is over until now, there are 5,000 names that are the number one pick in the draft and 5,000 trades. and you know, all, It's finally coming to an end here in about three days. But it's interesting about Jacksonville at number one, Laura, because they've always sort of done their own thing. Is there a consensus, do you think, of what they will do with the top pick? Well, look, we're getting into that time, Steve, where people start lying about what's going on. <laughs> That's and true. Whether or not they know something that we don't know, will remain to be seen, and we'll find out on Thursday night that number one overall pick. But I still think that defensive end Aiden Hutchinson is the surefire number one pick, and he should be. He's a franchise changer. He's dynamic. He's somebody that you can build an organization around. And it's not just the, the great play on the field, right? He, he's going to wreak havoc against opposing quarterbacks, but it's also what he brings to the table from the standpoint of off the field and, and the guy in the locker room and being someone who is so committed to his craft and is wise beyond his years. I just don't want that to get lost in the shuffle and all of this talk about maybe Trayvon Walker being the number one overall pick, which would be unprecedented with someone having the numbers that he had. I get it. He is a physical prospect of NFL team's dreams, but he just hasn't proven it as much as Aiden Hutchinson has. And then now today we're hearing that Iki Iquanu, the offensive lineman out of NC State, is going to be the number one overall pick. It's, it's hard to sift through all of it, but I would still put my money on Aiden Hutchinson going number one overall. It is hard to sift through all of this, no, no, no question. I guess the next uh, point in this for me, Laura, is in your experience in doing this, when, when teams make their pick, is it based on best guy available? Is it made on we have a need at this position we have to go address? Or is it pretty much a combination of the two? I think it depends on the team. I think there are a lot of teams that take the, the approach of best player available. The Ravens are a team notorious for doing that. And then you kind of look at the, the roster and sometimes you say, well, you should have taken a receiver instead of best player available on your board, or you should have looked at this differently. And then you also say, well, wait a second, if they hadn't taken that approach, you go all the way back to a few years ago when Lamar Jackson was drafted at the very end of the first round, no one else was buying in on Lamar Jackson. And this guy's an NFL MVP. And I think we'll end up winning a Super Bowl one day. And so it, that's a case where it worked out really well for them to take the best player available on yeah. their board. And they, they were about the only ones that really saw his value obviously should have been valued much higher than that so it's an approach that depends on the team right and in this year I also think there are some teams that may take a different standpoint than they usually would a lot of that having to do with the fact that it's not a quarterback rich draft it's also a draft that has a ton of depth to it at certain positions that are positions of need so like the wide receiver position for instance it's very very, uh, we, we may end up seeing seven receivers taken the first round, right? But then there's also a ton beyond that that are really, really talented players and could be contributors. And if, with this rash of money going out to wide receivers who are already in the league, I think you may see a lot of teams say, well, we'll just get our receivers in the draft and, and take that approach, especially these teams that may have to trade a receiver away if they either want to get out like Debo Samuel or if they can't pay the guy. And so I, I do believe we'll see a bit of a shift depending on the team. We've also heard today that there are a lot of teams looking to trade back in this draft 
looking ahead to next year and saying, let's pile up as many picks as possible if there are some teams that we can find a trade partner to, to go with. Look, I, I think one of the hardest things to do, you know, you know, a baseball scout, a football scout, that's all they do, Laura, and yet they screw it up sometimes. It just doesn't fit for whatever the reason, right? So here's my question. A, a guy like Pickett, oh, his hands are too – sometimes I don't think they look at tape and say what a guy – or see what a guy can do. Is that fair? I think it's totally fair. And, and listen, I think some of the hand size with Kenny Pickett – is important, but I also think the other side of that is that it got a bit overblown. And I do think if you're looking for just raw talent that can be developed and somebody who adds so much in the run game, Malik Willis at the quarterback spot is probably the better option. But if you're looking for someone who can make a difference right now and, and maybe one of the more veteran, experienced guys in this draft at the quarterback spot, it would be Kenny Pickett. But the, the caveat to all of this is that it is unprecedented to see a quarterback with hands that are that small. And you do remember that the football at the NFL level is slightly bigger than it is at the college level. And I think, Steve, when it comes to actually looking at the tape on Pickett, the, the alarming part is how many times he turned the football over and how many times it could maybe attributed to hand size. And so you say, well, is there a correlation there? And that's where it does depend, to your point, on fit. It depends on a team where they play, right? You probably don't want him in some uh, team where he's going to have to deal with a bunch of cold weather or weather that. Uh, would affect him, even though obviously he has played in cooler weather coming from Pitt. I, I just think all of those factors come together to say he is a player who could drop in this draft, or I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up going at six overall or somebody trades up there trying to get him ahead of Carolina. Hmm. Uh, all right. Somebody called, you mentioned Debo Samuel, and somebody called earlier. All right. Hello, um, 49ers front office. I don't want to run the ball anymore as much as I have. Well, we want you to run the ball, but, well, could you trade me? Is it that simple? Is that what went down here? Uh, I mean, geez, you got to think it was more complicated than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm hearing, I do think that there's some truth to it being that way. And here's the thing about the NFL right now. It's okay if it goes that way. It's like it's not okay for the 49ers. I mean, obviously they're looking to in a trade get something great in return, but these players have that power. They can go and say, "Well, I just really don't want to be here anymore." And if I am as good or you know as productive as someone like Debo Samuel, then they they end up getting their way, you know. And and it's interesting because we have Keyshawn Johnson, uh, former Jet, your Jet, yes. uh, on our show all the time, and he talks a lot about the fact that once a player says, "I want to be traded." they end up being traded. You know, it, it, there's just no other way. You can't ask the guy to keep playing for you if he doesn't want to be traded. And so I think that's where when you look at this overall situation, the conversation legitimately could be as simple as him saying, ah, you guys aren't really doing what I want. I'm going to get out of here. I do believe that this was a problem. The interesting thing to me is I remember all the times when Debo himself was calling himself a wide back last season, and he was, like, proud of it. So I don't know what happened to that. I don't know uh, why he decided he didn't like it anymore. But here we go with a guy who's seen other players dictate their future. He's trying to do the same. Is there a player, Laura, that you like or you've seen on tape that could maybe sneak into the first round that maybe isn't there now? 
Yeah, you know, there are so many. Um, I, I think we, we may end up with a few surprises like this. And, you know, for me, looking across the board, I think there's a lot of people who are not talking about some of the tight ends who could end up getting up there. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if really any of the tight ends, just because there are some teams that need them, uh, end up in there. That, that's just a preference thing. A lot of those guys, and that, that would be a major shock because many of them are projected late second and early third. But, you know, specifically, I, I would look at some of these players like maybe a Jahan Dodson, who is a wide receiver who some have in the first round, but not many have him there. And he's a bit unprecedented because you don't see a lot of guys, you know, who, who are not coming out of Power 5 schools, the wide receiver position, have a ton of success. I mean, if you really look, which receivers have had a lot of success coming out of smaller schools, it's, it's a very slim list. But I think he's a dynamic enough player that someone could a few teams. Whoops, Laura, we lost you. Hello? You oh, got we, me now? Got you back, yep. Sorry about that. Yeah, I, I would say Dodson is one to watch, especially if there's a big run on wide receivers early in the draft and teams that get a little panicky and say we got to grab a receiver and, and you could end up seeing some of those receivers like that sneak in that might really be more second and third round type players. Um, I had a, an email uh, from Bill who says, please tell Laura I love NFL Live, watch all the time. And he has a question, why are running backs devalued in the draft? Yeah, yeah. Bill, uh, great to hear from you. I would say the problem with running backs is that there have been a lot of them who have been injury prone. And you look at a guy like Saquon Barkley, um, you know, it, it, you would let's use him as an example. He was, to me, the right pick still for the Giants when he was picked as high as he was a couple of years ago, but yet has not been able to stay on the field. And and that's where I think when you look across the board and you see these receivers that consistently not able to stay healthy, teams say, I can't by spending a first or a second round pick on him. I, I do think we'll see Brees Hall go pretty high in this draft. I could see him being a first rounder. I think he will be. But you just won't see teams do it that much more. They, they don't have to. You know, they, they can get these guys in the third round and say, all right, we're going to run them as much as we can and, and hope they stay healthy. And if they don't, we'll get another one the next year. And it, it's tough because – a lot of these running backs, I think even at the college level, say, well, wait a second, why do I want to play running back? Maybe I should play wide receiver instead. And I would argue, uh, you know, unless you're Najee Harris, you might should, right? You know, it's, it's, um, it's really interesting the way the game has changed and the way these running backs are used. And that's another point, too. I mean, I think unless you're a running back who can really be a dynamic playmaker and can flex out as a wide receiver, not just catching the ball out of the backfield, but can really line up at receiver, it's going to be tough to find a landing spot with the way offenses at the NFL level are right now. I'm going to give you a chance to plug NFL Live. What you got going? Oh, yeah. we got a busy week, Steve. Uh, we're, we're still in Connecticut today, but we head to Vegas tomorrow. The show will still be on. We'll have some other people on the show tomorrow. And then starting Wednesday, we are with you throughout. We've got our regular NFL Live schedule. We're going to be doing some two-hour specials. So that's at 4 Eastern. And then when we do two-hour specials on Thursday and Friday, it starts at 3 Eastern. And then um, we also have a, a primetime ABC special on Wednesday night to preview the draft. So and that, uh, I'll be on the ABC broadcast, so I'll be doing the red carpet and green room interviews with the families and just really cannot wait. I think it's going to be a fascinating draft. I think we could 
see some big trades, too, on that first night, just with all these teams looking to move back and some teams that really may want to move up a little bit to grab receivers and quarterbacks. Always a pleasure to have you. Look forward to your work uh, as the draft begins in just three days. Laura, thanks, man. Always appreciate it. Thanks so much. You got it. Laura Rutledge, one of ours, proud of her. She's done such great work, and um, she works hard, too.